is one of the reasons why I created the Tea and Bickies podcast, because I could talk to individuals like Philip, who's one of the co-founders from Voiceform. They're capturing information and data in a completely different way to an online survey that enables individuals to share their thoughts, their opinions in a completely engaging way. So what are we waiting for? I won't give you any more spiel about the information or, or the podcast at all. Here we go. Enjoy. Cool. So why don't we kick off by you introducing yourself and telling everyone about who Philip is and, and where Philip's come from who, who may not know about yourself. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for having me on, Jake. Um, so my name is Philip. I am one of the co-founders here at Voiceform, born and raised in Toronto, huge pizza guy. I'm always looking for, for the best pizza in our city. Um, and yeah, so one of the co-founders of Voiceform, Voiceform is a full suite survey tool that gives you the ability to ask traditional survey questions, audio survey questions, and also the ability to connect you with your audience, whether they're business professionals or um, consumers to collect feed, feedback from. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about me and uh, looking forward to diving into it. Great. And when you created Voiceform, was there like a gap in the market that you noticed or have you come from like a, a technology background and you thought, oh, this could be quite cool to to think about? Why was, yeah, why did Voiceform sort of appear? Yeah, so uh, honestly, I, d- I didn't come from the market research world, but I was doing lots of surveys in my last job. Um, so I come from a sales, software sales background where I was sending a lot of surveys and the insights I was receiving, they just, they weren't very insightful. So there are two or three word answers. And I just thought, hey, this would be cool if I could honestly speak to these people. So I was scheduling customer interviews, chatting with them, and it was good, but it was just taking up a lot of time. Um, so every call would take up a minimum of one hour. Um, so I thought, hey, it'd be cool if I could somehow scale this process. And it's kind of like an aha moment and uh, voice form was created. Um, so essentially the, the beta, the MVP was released and it was a um, simple record your voice survey tool. So there were no other types of questions. We've now evolved since then, uh, but it started out just ask a question, someone records their voice, you collect the audio, the transcription, and the sentiment analysis, um, and then you kind of go from there. What we found is you're actually collecting anywhere from three to five times more information per question. You get a lot more insights. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever sent a text to someone, um, in my case, it would be, let's say, my girlfriend, and... She thought I meant one thing, but I actually meant something else. <laughs> Ended up getting in trouble for it. But um, that's kind of what we're trying to solve. So the emotional insights there, the tone of voice is missing from surveys. So people aren't actually able to hear you um, and see how you feel. So you can, someone can say something in one survey, but they actually mean something else. So that's kind of also part of the problem that we're trying to solve, the emotional aspect, which is a huge part of communication. Definitely. And I think... On that note, it's usually the text message I get from my girlfriend when she says, what have we got for food tonight? And that's normally the <laughs> question of, would you like a takeaway or a pizza instead of actually cooking? And it's more like, <laughs> yeah, let's, where shall we go instead? 
So oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's happened to me honestly too many times where I say one thing and they just think I mean something else. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And obviously as a like a, a co-founder and a a chief exec, it must be quite a like a lonely place at times. I always see like blog posts and, and articles about sort of life as a, a chief exec or a co-founder and you see a lot of things like oh everyone's running around you're doing multiple things from marketing to sales to new business to product development is life as a chief exec quite lonely at times or was it a like an exciting one um i would say a mix of both so where i worked before i was always talking to people um interacting with my team all day and when i started it it was really just me in the beginning. So it did get lonely at times for sure. What I tried to do was tap into different kind of co-founder networks and just share ideas with people. Uh, but yeah, it definitely, it definitely can get lonely at times, especially with remote work. Um, like if you saw where I'm working right now, it's just a small den in, in my apartment. Uh, whereas before I used to work in an office with a lot of people and, and an office dog and ping pong table and all that fun stuff. So yeah, it definitely can get lonely at times. Um, now we have a larger team, so we communicate. We try to meet up as much as possible, but still in uh, in COVID and uh, the pandemic era, as we like to call it, I guess, um, can get a bit lonely for sure. Uh, but I just try and, uh, I guess, listen to our customers as much as possible and interact with them also as well. And that, can, and that definitely helps. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, it can get lonely for sure. And how, how do you get out of that sort of lonely space? Because there must be, so you've, you've come from a, like you said, like a sales um, tech role before, and now you've yeah. gone into a role where actually there's no one really above you, you're, no. you're that person. So how yeah. do you go out to sort of get that sort of advice or, yeah, find that advice for things that you've, you've never really done before? Because yeah, you've, you've changed roles quite dramatically and quickly. For sure. It definitely. So getting advice from people has been huge. Um, so I've tapped into to kind of my network and people that I've worked with. Um, one person I was chatting with when I first started was an old CEO that I, that I work for at a company. Um, he's given me some advice and then just other founders in my network, friends that have started businesses before. Um, and then, Honestly, people I've worked with before that have worked in roles that I'm kind of taking on now as as one of the co-founders here. When I joined, most of my experience was just in sales, but now I'm doing a lot of product management and um, project management, marketing, sales, so much customer support. It's it's crazy. It's that's probably my main role at this point. Um, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, just chatting with people I worked with to see how they can make their processes more efficient. And uh, it's definitely helped me a lot. Um, luckily, I have, a, I have a strong network that uh, is willing to help me out and provide some advice at any time. Um, so that's definitely helpful. Great. And wh which role would you say has given you the most or the easiest transition towards a sort of the role today? Has there been a particular role that sort of a lot of those skills I learned in that role have helped me become a like a co-founder chief exec? Yeah, so, well, at, my, at the last company I worked at, 
Um, I joined really early and the company grew very quickly. So I was wearing many hats when I joined. So that definitely helped me a lot. Um, so I was doing a bit of customer support there as well. Um, lots of sales, obviously, some marketing, some community engagement, stuff like that. So I would say that role for sure um, has helped me a lot. Definitely other roles. When I was younger, I was always really into entrepreneurship. Um, and I didn't think that I would really tap into that experience this late in my life. Um, but just for some context, I, uh, my brother and I, we started a fruit tree delivery business in high school. Um, and it quickly grew to be the number one distributor of fruit trees in Ontario for, for two summers, which oh. was, which was, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a good time. And from that experience, I learned a lot with how to kind of treat a customer and managing inventory and stuff like that. Obviously our inventory now is, is a software platform, but still it definitely helps. Um, and just taking from that experience has helped me a lot for sure. Definitely. And, and do you think a lot of those decisions, what you're making now at Boys Form are more um, sort of facts based and you've got information there to tell you we're going to go with plan A or we're going to go with plan B or a lot of decisions you're making more just on your gut instinct and you think, mm, let's try this and see if it works. And if it doesn't, then we'll go to plan B or C. So I was the type of person before where it would almost everything would be gut instinct. But I've quickly learned that we have to be fact-based um, to kind of be efficient. And um, so definitely, for sure, fact-based. So whether it's prioritizing a feature, uh, we're listening to our customers to understand what features are more most important, uh, whether it's a sales or a marketing campaign, fact-based for sure. Um, for gut instinct, I would say... The one thing for gut instinct, it would be bringing new team members on. Mm -hmm. um, so experience is definitely important. But the way I feel about a person when I first connect, I would say is even more important just because culture fit is so important and being able to work with someone day in, day out is so much more important than the two years they had at the last company they worked for or whatever it may be, because they can learn those skills kind of as they go. But if they're a good person, they'll be much easier to work with than if they're if they're mean or rude or if they're difficult to work with and not a good team member. So I would say for anything except um, bringing on new people to the team, it would be fact-based for sure. No, definitely. And I think I always think when you're sort of working in a, in a startup, you need people who are just going to sort of get a get-going type of culture and get stuck into anything and everything they've they've got to sort of get stuck in with. And sometimes you have to do things that are maybe not part of your sort of job description at the start before the, sure. before the team sort of grows and, and yeah, grows organically. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and what, what would you say then that when you are able then to use more of your gut instinct than facts, do you think that's when you're, when a business is maybe 10 or 15 years older, because then you've got the, maybe capital to to make those sort of A-B testing examples? Um, or yeah. Think, and then from a startup, because obviously capital isn't as much as um, a 15, 20-year company, then you do mm -hmm. have to go along sort of more along the lines of what does the customer really want right now and, and go off that sort of customer feedback. Honestly, 
For sure. I haven't gotten there yet. Uh, but since we're bootstrapped, we haven't raised a, a dime. Um, we have to make fact-based decisions. And something that's been really helping with that is we've built up a research panel of uh, business professionals and consumers as well. And we're able to now tap into our research panel to validate our ideas as well. So let's say we are going after researchers. Um, we can tap into that market, ask them questions that we have. And now that's a fact-based. Um, we take our gut instincts, make them fact-based and ultimately act on that. So our own product is really helping us grow and understand our business. But yeah, definitely when you have millions of dollars, you can go with your gut and you can lose that money uh, just by testing stuff out. One day, maybe we'll get there. I hope we will. I'm sure we will, actually. But uh, for now, uh, we're just going to stay fact-based and being able to hear what our customers are saying through our platform and also tapping into those those key demographics, even when we want to go after a, uh, uh, a new kind of target persona or anything like that. Um, like, for example, we had a number of podcasters sign up for our platform to collect feedback um, from their listeners, which we didn't even think of. Um, so we did a, a study of um, like a research panel of podcasters to get their feedback on if they would even use a tool like ours. Some of them said they wouldn't, some said they would, but it really helped us understand more about what they need just because I've never hosted a podcast. I don't know that many podcasters. I listen to them for sure. Um, but yeah, so stuff like that and um, just Fact-based for me has helped a lot just because in my life I've been very gut-based, um, whether with a lot of stuff. So I think uh, I've learned that being fact-based in the early days is helpful. Um, but yeah, in the, in, maybe in the future we can be more based on our gut instincts. And I'm sure with experience, those gut instincts will be more fact-based. So I'll have more experience and I'll understand it better. Definitely. And, and, and do you think... Could you talk maybe through some other examples where you've you've gone out to your sort of research panel and you've yeah you've got this sort of thought that you think your customers will want X Y or or Z and then you've tested yeah. that with your audience and actually you found that yeah they really do want that particular feature or you've actually found out that they want something completely different and you've had to go back to the your plan basically and and rework rework what, what you were going to develop? For sure. So for example, um, we had a number of product designers sign up for our tool. So we thought, hey, this could be cool for these product designers to collect feedback from, um, from their team and from their customers and stuff like that. So what I started doing, what I used to do is go out to LinkedIn and just start messaging people. Um, can you see me, by the way? I think it's bit muffled on your end. Oh, yeah. there we go. We're back. We're back. Yeah. Um, where was I? Yeah. So I would go out to LinkedIn and I would get maybe three conversations a week where these product designers would give feedback. So then I, I thought, hey, why don't we just tap into our own service? Mm -hmm. um, and that was kind of the first one. And we collected so much feedback where we learned most product designers collect feedback through um, through Figma, through the direct mm -hmm. commenting yeah. feature, or if they're doing some sort of testing, they're using user testing, for example. Um, so there, we, we learned a lot 
with our with these panels um so it's definitely been helpful it's just like it really the cost is almost it like you have to do it if you need to collect feedback on everything on anything even if i start a new business one day in my life the amount of research panels i'm going to tap into for that if i do it's going to be crazy i th- i think it's a no brainer like you have to collect feedback you know what i mean so for us anything we do now even if it's an ad campaign um down the line we're going to collect feedback on what our target demographic thinks of our ad campaign whether they like this copy or that copy um so it's just helpful for us and i think it can be helpful for a lot of other businesses and researchers for sure definitely is there a particular audience that you have been surprised that have taken up voice form in comparison to others has there been one that sort of oh i didn't really expect that particular audience or that particular segment to be yeah so interested in the product i would say podcasters and course creators um it it makes sense i understand it um so course creators are using it to collect to collect feedback from their um from their their students and Mm -hmm. podcasters from their listeners it definitely makes sense um it's not something we're particularly focused on right now um just but definitely it, it makes sense and we were really surprised to see we had one podcast host he referred like 10 of his podcast buddies and they all signed up for the platform which was really cool um so that was interesting for sure good no maybe i should be setting up now (laughs) (laughs) yeah we can set you up in an account for sure i'm missing out um but so Life as a, like a chief exec, it's sort of a, like I mentioned, it's a bit of a, like a 24-7 job. How do you, apart Mm -hmm. from trying to get a free, a free pizza or looking for the best pizza over the pond, what, how do you try and, I guess, switch off and Um, and not look at emails and try and, yeah, just not think about work 24-7? So for me, like... I think about it 24-8. I love it. But uh, yeah, I definitely do switch off. So I really, I've really started to enjoy running. So I've been running a lot. Um, that's helped me blow off some steam, get some exercise. I enjoy cooking now. I never cooked before, but because of the pandemic, I started cooking more. Playing sports, I enjoy playing basketball and other sports as well. Um, and just hang, just hanging out. But I honestly just really enjoy uh, just working on voice form. Obviously, I do unwind, but it's constantly on my mind from the morning I wake up to when I close my eyes. Um, and it's probably pretty annoying for people in my life because it's pretty much all I talk about. And I can see some people almost get annoyed at times. And they're like, can you stop talking about it, please, for one hour? <laughs> but I can't. So I'm happy to just join as many podcasts as I can to just talk about it. <laughs> but but do you find that you have you do you find that you exercise let's say in the morning to make sure you're sort of fresh for the day or, or do you find it more comforting when you you do something completely different after work so then you that is your sort of fill it sort of switch off time and you can sort of kind of yeah switch off completely before yeah I would, it, I would say it's after work um my day typically i work all day then around like five i'll go for a run or or go to the gym or something like that and then i'll kind of go back on my computer check a few emails eat dinner hang out a little bit and then um 
yeah, then I'll work a little bit more. And then that's, that's really it for me. But I would say after work is when I kind of unwind in the morning. I'm, uh, I like to just, you know, take a shower, have a coffee, just kind of be relaxed. I tried the morning workout thing. It's not for me at all. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. Do, do you, do you, uh, do you work out or exercise in the I morning? Tried, I try in the morning, but yeah, it's when the alarm goes off and then I go into sort of the fifth snooze on my phone. Yeah. And then it, then it basically goes into a, let's just set a new, a new wake up time. And then I'll just go back to sleep because I can't really be bothered to wake up. <laughs> yeah. And I, I find with the, with the winter coming in, in Canada where we are, it gets darker, um, a lot earlier and stays darker in the morning, uh, a lot later. So it's, and it's so cozy and bad and it's cold outside here. So it's really difficult to get up. Uh, but luckily, with uh, Zoom backgrounds and remote work, I can I can work from bed, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> that is not a bad little trick, that isn't. As long as no one yeah. knows what you're doing and just there you go, Philip's just still oh. in bed in meetings and things. I was, was going to say if I could pop in a background here, I could have done that uh, today. But exactly. yeah, <laughs> I thought you would go for a professional look instead. <laughs> yeah, um, but so life as a so obviously you. You work that sort of twenty-four to eight type model. Do you do you think you've when you became a, a chief exec? Do you think you sort of took any hints and tips from other CEOs or other like founders of businesses when you have your sort of work culture? Did you read up about any sort of other other founders to sort of model how you're working now, or was it just that yeah you're so passionate about voice form that hey it is a 24 7 operation that you you're trying to build it's a good question um i definitely i've definitely tried to read a lot of or listen to a lot of podcasts and read a lot of, read a lot of articles on how some founders run their companies i personally think Chief Executive Officer, CEO of a startup is a bit of a glorified title. Um, I'm more of like a, a I'm more of like a sales guy, customer support associate, like all of the above. Um, it's, it's a great title, CEO and co-founder, but there's really we have we're a small team of four, um, so it's it's a lot more than that. But I would say definitely, um, I've taken a lot of insights from all of, obviously the the famous founders, the Elon Musks and the Bezos is of the world. And a lot of their routines don't make sense for me. Uh, but some of them do like, for example, Elon Musk sleeps in his factory. Like that's awesome. Good, good for him. But um, he says he sleep, he sleeps in the factory, eats there, works 24 seven, doesn't really do anything else. And he's a superhuman. I don't think I could personally do that. Um, but there's certain things that, um, I definitely do take from others. It's a good question. I've never really thought about that, to be honest with you. And I, I think I have to think about it a little bit more. Um, is, yeah, it, is, I, it I, of, is it a case of sort of creating your own, your own, yeah, role within how you want to make it work for yourself, but also sort of people around you. So you don't have your girlfriend moaning at you, uh, nine o'clock at night because you're still on your emails or, or looking at something for work related. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I guess so. I guess so. Um, for sh- for sure. I think the most important thing for me has been being able to exercise at some point uh, during the day. Like last week, I I didn't exercise for three days just because it was so busy. And I was just so stressed out. And on Thursday, I, I was like, okay, I have to, I'm turning my computer off, turning my phone off. I'm going to go on a run and then have a taco night. And it was honestly the best thing I did all of last week, better than any call. Um, I just felt so good. So the ne- number one thing that I've found that I've taken from other founders that I've read about is exercising is really important. Mm-hmm. Just getting away is uh, is super important. Just having, just having a sweat and, and getting away. Yeah, definitely. No, I concur. And when you sort of started voice for voice form, was that sort of nervous sort of twitch that you had about, oh, should we start it? Should we take this gamble about, yeah, setting off on this this journey? Or were you 100% confident that, hey, we're going to, going to crack this and we're going to give it a, yeah, really good go? It was, de- it was a bit of both for sure. So I was working at a great job, um, great company I was working for, and it was definitely a gamble for sure. Uh, but I knew that I had the need, and I spoke to so many people that had had a similar need that I knew it had to be done. Um, and I'm not going to stop until this problem is solved. Um, so I'm very confident in it, just because I see now that our customers are using our platform, they're tapping into our our research panels. They're using it, which is awesome. And I knew I was going to dive into entrepreneurship, back into entrepreneurship, but I just didn't know when. Um, so definitely confident when I dove into it. Obviously, it was a bit scary leaving a, a, you know, a comfortable job where I was paid and had benefits, where I could go to the dentist for free, for example, or yeah. go to the chiropractor, whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, I'm happy I made the decision and. Um, we're helping a lot of a lot of researchers out there ultimately um, collect better insights and yeah um, so yeah definitely a gamble but 100% confident in, in the idea and our business for sure. And what what does success sort of look like for Voiceform if you were to look at sort of 2021 with sort of going into the last quarter but also sort of in the future where do you see yeah where do you see it where do you see the organization going? Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say I'd like for it to be, I'd like for us to have a thousand active users by the end of 2021. I think we'll get there. Um, and then I would like in long, in the long kind of long-term goals to be the go-to trusted place for collecting feedback. So whether it be um, for collecting feedback from consumers, from your customers, from business professionals, we want to own that whole kind of process from creating the survey to designing your survey to distributing it and to sharing it and then to ultimately uh, the most important part, which is getting and analyzing the insights. Um, so, yeah, being the go-to trusted place to collect feedback uh, in the world. You're keeping your developers busy then if, you're, if that's the plan of attack. Yes, they want they want to murder me at this point, <laughs> but that's okay. We're we're all working hard. Uh, we're we're all busy here. Good. And you're keeping. You've got a whole list of different development things going on behind the scenes. Then I'm guessing. Yeah, and they're they're keeping me busy too. You know, which is really good. They're keeping me accountable. Um, so anytime I'm like, hey, we need to build this feature, and then 
they're like, okay, how many people want this? And I'm like, this many. They're like, okay, that's it's not enough. Sorry. And I'm like, but oh, I need this. And they're like, no, we're not doing it. So ultimately, on the development side of things, they they kind of run things, um, which is good because I don't come from a technical background. Um, I just do the talking. Um, but uh, yeah, they're definitely busy. We're all we're all really busy. But I guess that's a good thing, right? Yeah, de- definitely. How do you sort of prioritize those? those features that as a startup, you'll have a raft of different ideas that you actually want to basically chuck into the product straight away to, to let users um, use it. But how do you, as a team, sort of prioritize which ones should get developed first in comparison to those that can, yeah, maybe wait for six to 12 months? So what I was doing before is we were ranking them in like a Excel document, but we've gotten one of these tools, I forget the name of it, and um, it's actually going live on our platform, I think today or tomorrow, where users can actually kind of upvote features, kind of almost mm-hmm. like it's product hunt, uh, but they could be like, hey, we want this feature, and then we can see on our end how many times it was upvoted. So that's how we're going to be prioritizing it, and that um, it's definitely going to help us for sure. So it's a very timely question just because we're adding it. I think it's either today or tomorrow. I have to check our team, but we have a document with a bunch of feature requests um, in in Excel, which has been helping us, but it's pretty messy. Uh, so I think this will help us a lot. So Buffett, Buffett do a really similar thing. I'm not sure if you check the, 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 social, um, the social media management tool and on their website, they've got like a, um, a public Trello board and they sort of basically showcase everything what they're working on behind the scenes. So sort of their customers know what's in the pipeline, what's sort of forgotten about, it can't can't be done, and what things are sort of in motion and, and ready to be sort of released in the next sort of quarter or in the next year. So yeah, I think wow. that, that transparency element, I think customers like it, don't they? They want to see behind the scenes of a, a company more and more now, instead of being the, like right at the back, not knowing what's on inside. For sure, and we've actually we have a public Trello board as well. I'm happy to link it to you if you if you'd like to check it out. But yeah, that's some advice we got also. And Buffer is a really really great tool. I think we we've been using it uh, a little bit in the past, and we need to we need to start using it again and up our up our social game. And there you go. Well, thanks so much um, for being on, Philip. It's been much appreciated. Um, thanks for sharing your words of wisdom. Of course, yeah, it was great. It's a great experience, and looking forward to jumping on again soon. Perfect. Cheers, Philip. Cheers.